Welcome to episode 19 of Cyberbytes the Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cooper, co-founder of Aspiron Search. This week's guest, we have Kiran Kamati, CEO and founder of Deep Factor. Having moved to Silicon Valley for his undergrad, he spent the last 20 years there, which seems to have gone in a blink for him. Three-time serial founder and currently building the next generation of application security tooling. He reveals all about his journey and Deep Factor as a whole. How are you, mate? Hey, Joker. Great, how are you? Doing, doing well, man. Doing well. I think uh, it's absolutely swel- sweltering in the UK at the moment. So I'm in my office and I'm not going to lie, it's extremely hot, but I'm going to brave it for the podcast. <laughs> and hot, hot for you guys is what, 60 degrees? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So in the UK, we don't have air conditioning, uh, but we have like two weeks of hot weather uh, every year uh, and that's it. But um, where are you in the world at the moment? In San Jose, California. Great, 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 great. Um, so, Kiran, yeah, great to, to 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 jump on, and thanks for coming on the pod. So, with all my guests, I've been sort of running right back to where it all began and how you got into security, brother. Yeah, um, you know, I, my career uh, started uh, in systems. So, I, I did my undergraduate program at uh, IIT in India, and then came here to the US for my grad program. Um, you know, I came to Silicon Valley, and this has basically become my been, been my home you know i can't believe 20 years just went by um wife and two kids and a dog later this this uh, is basically my my home um i've done uh I've, I've had the good fortune of working at small company big company small company big company, you know that kind of cadence um so i worked at big companies like netapp citrix cisco and also done a few startups um you know that ended up you know kind of getting acquired into these bigger companies uh, I did a company called Ringcube Technologies, which uh, was acquired by Citrix. Then I did a company called ContainerX that was acquired by Cisco. Um, and throughout my career, the focus has been around um, around building great systems products that uh, you know touch upon virtualization, containerization, Kubernetes, and a bunch of other um, cloud native um, and microservices types fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And when I was at Cisco last, I was head of product for their cloud business unit, and I was responsible for their OpenStack, Kubernetes, uh, container networking, and a few other teams and initiatives. And one thing that was very clear to me is that um, we as an industry have come to a point where we've gotten really good at building applications that are microservices-based, cloud-native, and we've gotten good at shipping them fast, thanks to CICD. But... We don't yet have the confidence to ship them really fast into production and do CD as much as we do CI because we're not sure how many security vulnerabilities we're injecting. So yeah. AppSec, you know, application security, is the next area where a lot of innovation needs to happen. We do have the first generation of tooling that are scanners that discover various vulnerabilities, but you know they do flood us with with a lot of vulnerabilities, which is what ended up um, having me start uh, Deep Factor. That's kind of my journey uh, into Deep Factor. Love that. Well, you casually dropped that you already had two acquisitions. So, how <laughs> do they do they come to you? Did Citrix approach you? How does that sort of process come about? Or was that the plan to get acquired? No, I mean, um, you know, you do what's right for the business. You know, that sometimes you uh, um, you know you build the right thing basically at the end of the day, and you know sometimes it ends up making sense to keep growing that business. Sometimes it ends up uh, making sense to keep doing that as part of a bigger 
organization that has a, a go-to-market already established. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess uh, as entrepreneurs, we just have to be open to all possibilities as we build our businesses. Yeah, I love that. So a serial entrepreneur decided to go for it for the third time. Um, so I know you co-founded with somebody. Was that a deliberate or how, how did that come about? Uh, you mean at Deep Factor or at Deep Factor? Yeah, okay. correct. So, how did the the co-founding uh, come in about? Yeah, my co-founder at Deep Factor is a gentleman called Mike Larkin. Uh, he is uh, for those of you that may know him, he's the father of the OpenBSD hypervisor. Um, he wrote the hypervisor for the OpenBSD operating system from the ground up. Really smart guy. Um, he and I had done our first company together, uh, RingCube, which was acquired by Citrix. And I've known him now for 16 years. He was, uh, I was, I was one of the groomsmen at his wedding too. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, we go uh, a few years back. Right. So you know each other pretty well then. Um, awesome. Yeah. So Deep Factor, obviously the idea came about how, and yeah, can you just discuss a little bit about Deep Factor, what you guys, the problem you're solving right now? So I know it's evolved yeah. a little bit. Yeah, uh, the vision for Deep Factor is to build the next generation of application security. At the end of the day, you want to identify the vulnerabilities that your developers are um, accidentally, uh, you know, likely introducing into your software as you're building and testing your software. So the ability to empower your engineering teams to identify and prioritize the vulnerabilities that they need to attend to as they're building software, because your devs are so focused on features and building that functionality, they don't care as much about security. Um, so having the right kind of tooling in place that identifies and detects them and making sure that they don't kind of accidentally introduce bad things is extremely important. And that's the whole field of application security. At Deep Factor, we have created the next generation of, of uh, AppSec tooling that is cloud-first, cloud-native-first, developer-friendly, the fundamental technological differentiation of Deep Factor is that unlike the first generation of AppSec tools, we don't just scan your build artifacts or code and tell you, hey, you have this many vulnerabilities. We then also drop into your running applications and Kubernetes environments and non-containerized environments as well to understand inside the process of these applications as it is running in your dev, test, and prod unknown vulnerabilities that could be hiding in your applications that are bad behaviors that, you know, your developers accidentally introduced because they brought in some third party uh, that is making an outbound connection to a prohibited geography or that is touching EC password and files uh, that it shouldn't be touching, uh, so on and so forth. So detecting known vulnerabilities on the left, detecting unknown vulnerabilities by observing the behavior of the application on the right. And the cool thing that we do is we correlate the two and we tell you, hey, look, you have a hundred things that are vulnerable in your containers, but only 20 of them are actually being loaded into memory and used at runtime. And we go give you deep information that helps you prioritize which of the hundred things you need to prioritize uh, and uh, have your devs work on. So that is, at the end of the day, the vision for Deep Factor. If I were to summarize all of that in one sentence, I'd say Deep Factor is the next generation of application security that allows you to scan your application artifacts, that allows you to observe your applications at runtime, and it allows you to correlate the two to figure out which of the vulnerabilities are the more important ones. Yeah, awesome. So you obviously do the scanning and identification. Is there a remediation piece as well? Or Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we Because we're observing the deep 
um, you know, deeply the various processes running inside the application, we have uh, a, an unfair advantage, so to speak. Um, at that vantage point, we see a lot more things that are happening inside your application, which processes touched it, which classes got loaded, um, you know, and so on and so forth, that allows us to be very prescriptive about our remediation guidance to the user. Um, so the users can uh, not only figure out which ones are important to fix and prioritize, but also uh, go about remediating it in the most informed manner. Mm, it's a serious problem. And there seems to be quite a, a number of different companies popping up doing different things in different ways. How did you guys come up with the, the sort of product market fit? How did that all come about? Yeah, I mean, uh, we looked at the first generation of tools out there, and there were two sets of tools that we saw. On one hand, you had tools on the left that allowed you to scan your build artifacts, you know, jar files or your container images or your code that is being, you know, uh, pull requests is being submitted, et cetera, to detect vulnerabilities. And that those types of tools have now become commodity today, and they produce a lot of these vulnerable, you know, dependency scanners, container scanners, et cetera, that fall into the general umbrella of software composition analysis. On the other hand, you had tools that looked at running applications that were most mostly for operations, uh, you know, uh, engineers that are looking at their application behavior in production primarily from a compliance perspective. Hey, I need to watch my application processes at runtime with container runtime security tooling because I want to comply with SOC 2 type 2 and so on and so forth. And these two sets of tools, one was for, one was for AppSec slash developers, one was for operations, and they never really talked to each other. Um, what we said is the next generation of AppSec has to be cohesive in the sense that it has to have connectors that drop in on the left and the right all the way from dev through to prod. And these connectors have to be able to talk to each other to feed in the valuable information about what your app is doing at runtime back into your vulnerability identification at scan time for better prioritization. And it's a, it's, it's a, hard technology to build because runtime in general has been hard. Mm. Uh, you know, you you watch the application processes and get a lot of this rich context. Um, the whole journey of the factor has been, how do you make that ability to drop into running applications and observe all of that rich telemetry dead simple? That, in a nutshell, is what we've accomplished. Uh, yeah, you nice. know, and that's what sets us apart from the other incumbent tooling. Nice, nice. Because um, I downloaded your uh, DevSecOps SANS report on your website. If you yeah. could sort of summarize a couple of the, the points for our audience, I'm sure they'll rush to to download it. But what what were some of the key takeaways from from that that you found? Yeah, I mean, uh, was there a um, the 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 what, some of the key findings of of DevSecOps in general has been around, um, you know, how many organizations are um, are adopting today security practices what stages of the journey you know they're at um you know the, uh, how are they going about incorporating DevSecOps? you know what types of tooling are they using uh, and this is a good report that kind of uh, brings some structure around all of that also it's a survey of various practitioners so it gives you um, information that uh, if you are a practitioner, you want to see uh, what uh, the industry is, is doing in general, you're you're able to, to gather. For example, 
uh, you know, uh, where our organizations at with respect to their journey of DevOps? Are they just scanning static artifacts? Are they doing runtime? Are they uh, incorporating scanning into their CI CD pipelines? How many of them are doing what? You know, this report gives some numbers around that, which I I find is a good read as well. I do wonder if code hygiene is getting any better, because it seems like this has been a topic of conversation for, for so many years, and it's just alarming, really, to think yeah, I think it it also is timely now because you know you have uh, what twenty six something million developers worldwide by twenty twenty one, and that number is supposed to get to forty five million developers by twenty thirty. So if you think of the magnitude of that, we as an industry are adding almost as many developers this decade as we have added in the last four decades put together. You know, and that's that's mind-boggling. You know, software engineering apparently is the fastest-growing profession in the United States. I'm guessing it is yeah. in other countries as well. Probably one of the fastest-growing professions there too. Um, but when so many people are writing code, and the focus of writing code is to ship features fast, it is important to make sure that. Security is treated as a first-class citizen behind the scenes. You don't want to find out after the fact that, you know, you've built an application that could easily be hacked. And at the end of the day, security has to be elevated as a primary pillar for your overall quality strategy. Your quality can't be just functionality. You know, I click this button, this happens. Great. My application is functional. But, you, you know, quality teams embrace performance testing, reliability testing, these days, and that's all part of QA. Security mm-hmm. testing is not yet part of the QA organization, but it's, it is beginning to be part of the engineering organization overall. And I think we have, and over the next five, 10 years, we'll see a lot more of that security becoming part of your overall quality journey mm-hmm. that engineering organizations will embrace. Yeah, just just uh, expanding on that. So I saw obviously last Friday, I think it was the federal executive order. I think that got finalised, didn't it? Um, how's that looking for you guys? Then are you sort of sort of rubbing your hands together, thinking this is great that every uh, business selling into Fed needs to have the S bomb? And yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think I think it's important. It's an important milestone for the industry in general to. Uh, think of uh, um, of what makes up your software supply chain in a, in a and take that really seriously. Um, I'm not sure if you guys uh, if you watched that Netflix documentary. I think uh, President Obama, uh, you know, was in was featured in that documentary as well, where they talk about how uh, uh, I believe a hundred years ago, or maybe even more. Um, the quality of food in America wasn't, there, there was no guideline to it and it wasn't taken seriously. And people were getting all kinds of diseases when they ate out. And, you know, FDA stepped in and introduced a lot of these guidelines so that now, you know, it, you know, it, it is, it is, there is a clearly described process that understands what goes into your food. Vendors have to follow that. Anybody that is ma- manufacturing any piece of food has to follow those guidelines to make sure that they clearly specify what goes into their food, so on and so forth. The same is now happening to software mm-hmm. and S-bombs are just the beginning of it. You know, the first step is to understand what it is that you're putting in software and organizations 
that are selling into federal now are mandated, uh, you know, due to that, uh, you know, Joe Biden executive order uh, to produce software bill of materials um, and maintain it with each version of their software in industry standard format and other formats like uh, Cyclone DX, SPDX have evolved to, to kind of become the standard there. Uh, that's just the first step. I think there's a lot more that needs to happen in the industry to understand, uh, you know, what, is the, what do the S-bombs contain? Do they contain vulnerable pieces? Do they contain license violations? You know, if, if vulnerabilities exist in your S-bombs, do you have a plan to remediate them? Do all vulnerabilities in your S-bombs need to be remediated? Are they even reachable? Are they, you know, so there's a lot of things that has to happen there, which is why supply chain security in general uh, is is a hot topic these days um, and, and as it should be. Especially with such big case studies over the last few years and solar winds yeah. and look for a J and all that sort of fun stuff, I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. In fact, we published a, a, a white paper on this called Top 5 Reasons to, to Do Your S-Bombs. Um, and you can download that for free on our website uh, at dfacker.io as well. The uh, it, It's important to realize that we are just beginning to see, you know, the, the organization selling into federal government, uh, you know, embracing S-bombs is just a first step. And other regulated entities are jumping on that uh, as well. And mm-hmm. we're beginning to see now EU starting to uh, embrace SBOMs and and you know other regulated organizations like fintech and and healthcare will will do as well. And it's good to see now that when you talk to a lot of the appsec people, while they regardless of whether they're mandated or not, you know they may or may not be selling into federal, but they seem to realize that it's important. Uh, it's an important first step to make sure that you are producing secure software. For sure, for sure. It was quite funny. I was doing some research on S-bombs and then I found myself down a rabbit hole of H-bombs as well. Hardware, hardware, bill of materials, which was even more yeah. fascinating, but it's just so much to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. look, we, uh, we're we coming up to time, but it, it goes so quickly. Um, what's the future for, for Deep Factor, Karan? What, what's the plan? Where are you taking this? Yeah, no, I mean, we have built something that is very powerful, very unique. Um organizations are uh, beginning to adopt E-Factor because they're beginning to see the value of embracing runtime, both for detection of vulnerabilities as well as correlation uh, with their SEA. Um, so now the goal is for us to grow the business uh, and continue to deploy E-Factor and provide value to more and more customers. And uh, that's what we're doing um, you know, right now. Awesome. If anyone wants to reach out, uh, should I put your details in the, the show notes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they can reach out to me uh, or uh, go to deepfactor.io and one of our team members will uh, connect with them. Awesome. Karan, all the best of success for the future, my man. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a part two coming up. And thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Perfect.